Episode 94 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about our Games of the Month for January 2023. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Aaron and I talk about everything we've played. And yes, I did first write down this episode as January 2022, so I'm not in denial about the passage of time at all. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to myself and Aaron talking about our games played in January 2023. It's winter. Yes. It's cold. Yes. But it's good for games. Okay. We played some games. I guess that'll work as an intro. I was going to say that we were back at the beginning of a new year, which means back at the beginning of having played nothing in our game library for the year and our goal every year is to play through all of our games that does include new games that we get and the deadline is gen con which we just got tickets for this weekend over the weekend it's very exciting it's very exciting it's only slightly overwhelming i printed out what is what you made a face the tickets to gen i was thinking that the getting tickets to gen con was overwhelming and you said... Oh, exciting. Sorry, exciting. And then you said that was overwhelming. But oh, I was I talking about playing all the games. Oh, it is. I mean, you created a yes. list. And I, I just took all of the... A list of our full collection, just got it off of Board Game Geek, printed it like a checklist, or put it together like a checklist, and then I thought, oh, I'll do a nice big font, because that'll make it just nice to see, and we'll hang it up and cross it off. And what I didn't realize was that was about nine feet tall i mean two, it's 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 i think it's a little over nine feet tall. we have to go to the landing on our stairs to check some of them off yeah we it, we have an area next to our stairs that is taller than one story and that is the area that the list had to go yeah it's pretty fun it is very fun though so i think that's a little bit the intimidating part it's like it's lots of fun things can be fun and intimidating and this list is one of them so this month we played well I played 39 games, 58 total times. Yep. You played 25 games, 25 times, which we have slightly less than that off of our list so far because some of those were new games. Right, right. And I'm not like writing in games as they happen. It's a bit frozen in time. I did realize that there's one game missing from there. Um, Oh, I I Love Cats. Yeah, which means it wasn't actually marked as owned in our collection. Anyways, you're not quite at a game a day average and that's we need to be a little over that to hit it by gen con so there's going to be a lot of small games that'll be thrown into a day that'll probably get us back on track yeah we can definitely have some 10 to 15 games per day and then you know there's some heavier weight games that's 10 to 15 is a lot i was kind of looking around i don't know how many games we have get bit shot and totten rift force yeah well skulls of sedlek was one that was nice and short a button shy game which we will get to the games that were played. Now, I put yours on the list so that you could review them, but I'm going to look inside of BG Stats app. The games I played are Deep Sea Adventure, Gizmos, Imperial Settlers, Roll and Write, 12 Days of Christmas, Age of War, Acropolis, Baby Dinosaur Rescue, Beta, Buttons, Cat Cafe, Chai, Coloretto, Corinth, Coupel, maybe it's just Couple, Dice Hunters of Therion, Everdell, Flamecraft, Flux, Forest of Pangaea, The Game of Life, Pirates of the Caribbean Edition, Gravwell, Happy City, Harry Potter, Death Eaters Rising, Hex Roller, Istanbul, The Dice Game, It's a Wonderful World, King Domino, Level 10, Maui, Next Station, London, Roll For It, Skulls of Sedlek, Splitter, Spot It, Strike, Super Skill Pinball Holiday Special, Takedo Collector's Edition, Wild Style, and Wormholes. All right. Yeah, Aaron played 25 of those. Uh, there wasn't. There might have been one game that you and Adam played together that I don't have in here. Did you play Coup one time? 
Oh, on BGA. We, we definitely played coup. Yeah. So, I mean, incorporate that as well into the games that were played. Um, and what I played the most, you played everything the same amount of times. I played Imperial Settlers Roll and Write. At the beginning of the year, I thought like, oh, maybe I'll play a game a day and I'll just kind of have a board game app that I'll play if I haven't played a physical game that day. The app is very good. So good that I think that if I haven't already, I intend to get rid of the actual physical game. Uh, You can replay the solo ones easier. In the physical game, you'd have to laminate them, I suppose, to replay them. And then kind of have a system where you play them and then you unlock the next one. And I think there's more in the app than there are in the physical box. Then games that were added to the collection, all but one of these we actually played. Motor City just came. Haven't played that yet. Was reading the rules today. And then Wild Style, Level 10, Maui, Gizmos, and Forest of Pangaea were all new. Forest of Pangaea came from a Kickstarter. The rest came from the game store. There was a sale on Wild Style and Maui. And they were just cheap enough. At their regular price, I wasn't super interested. And then level 10 was only $10. It's a Hisashi Hayashi game. I had never heard of it. I think it actually has been out for a while, but just now got here. And it looks like it's going to be a series of games. And I will keep buying them. Uh, And then Motor City is sort of a successor to Three Sisters and Fleet the Dice game. Same designers. Uh, But it's about Detroit auto industry. So another... I think, kind of chaining roll and write. I'm assuming that's what's going on. But when I saw the Kickstarter, I was like, yep, I'm going to want that. Go ahead. Um, so yeah, those are the new games. Nothing was sold. We played mostly at home in the coffee shop. We played a little bit with Adam, a little bit with Jason, Online, yeah. but not too much. Half of our games were on Saturdays and half our games were... We're not on at, Saturdays? Well, no, well, yeah, not on Saturdays. And half our games were at Indie Coffee Roasters when I looked at the little graph. Now that might have been... I think that was specifically you... For me, it's a little more even of a breakdown, and I had a quarter of my games happening on an app, about a quarter at any coffee roasters, a quarter on board game arena, but you were pretty much half of your games, that's where just, they're yeah. happening, yeah, and we usually do play four or so, three or three four, or four games, yeah. yeah. All right, so that's kind of the month in review section done, and now back to the table of your games. You want me to scroll back up to your list? I got it. What game would you like to play more of? There's actually a fair number of good games uh, this month, so this is a tough choice. But I'm going to go with maybe a a game that you might find to be the least. I think yeah, I think you'd be surprised. I'm going to go with Strike. Back to the table. Oh, with more people? With more people or less people? One, I just it was fine. It's huh? It's an interesting take on dice. All right. Where you can like affect the dice? It's dice manipulation by randomly crashing the dice. Yeah, the box itself, we've talked about Strike on a couple different episodes now. The box itself has an insert, but not the way you're thinking. The insert just kind of makes an arena, like an oval arena on the rectangle game. So it kind of has these stepped sides, not enough for a dice to sit on it. They're very shallow. And then it's got a little padded center oval there in the bottom. You throw dice into it. And I do like about it for a game where that's what's happening, that if you throw too aggressively and they fall out of the arena you lose them you just lose them and like so it does as much as you might want to like stand up at the table and just absolutely rocket them into the center like you can't do that it's a little more finesse i don't know that there's i think it's too random for there to be skill but it feels like there could be skill it's and also for a game that is mostly bereft of skill it's very fast and fun you don't have to do it like it's a really nice warm-up game I wouldn't mind. It'd be really fun to play with people who aren't gamers. 
Um, yeah, anyone can kind of walk up and say, hey, what are you playing? It's like, throw these in there. Yeah. And then we'll tell you what happens. It's fantastic. It yeah. feels more, um, and I mean, not like, not gambling. There's not really a gambling aspect to it, but it is more just like roll the dice, see what happens, knock people out. Yeah. What are you bringing back to the table? I am bringing back, oh, level 10. I did this before. That's why I'm surprised by my <laughs> answers. Uh, and they might change a little bit because I think I didn't actually pick a game of the month before we started. I'm bringing back level 10. You haven't played it yet. That's correct. It is so small and cute and it just feels, I want to say, lovingly crafted. And I don't even know that that's accurate because it's a very simple concept. You have five different like levels and each of those levels you're trying to get to level 10 but the way that you play it on the table even though it's a small card game you need a big table because you have to play the five rows and 10 columns of cards and i played it solo but you can play it with more people and it has a sort of hanabi feel to it in that you're all trying to play cards into this center tableau in a way that sort of works for everybody nobody gets stuck now it's not uh, your hand isn't facing backwards like Hanabi. You're the one seeing your cards. And there are these options too. If you don't really have something to play, there are a couple options. Ones that come out of the deck and then also ones that just sit on the table. It's like a level zero that sort of lets you reset. And the other kind of thing that makes it challenging, makes it into more of a game, is that across those five rows, you have to play each column completely. So you can't just keep going very far in one row and not fill anything in the other. So that's kind of what's forcing the tension of, oh, should I go ahead and use the reset or should I jump ahead a number and kind of hope this gets resolved later? Because you have to play the cards in order, not not uh, two, then three, then four, but it has to go up. So give me two, five, seven, right. reset, and then you'll have to double back and and play other numbers that you missed. It's not super long. It was just challenging enough. Now, I found it to be pretty easy when i played it solo and i don't know if that's just because you you're, see all the information good. you're very good at games well thank you you see all the information there is to see when you play solo you play with a few more cards then when you play uh two player each person has less cards in their hand but there's more cards total out so i don't know what it will be like at more players and i might have just gotten a lucky shuffle of the deck where things kind of worked out so yeah, that's one why why I'd like to get it back to the table to kind of see what it's like at other player counts and see was my first playthrough a little more lucky. And that could change how much I actually like it because it might be that you don't have quite enough control to mitigate the luck to make it like actually engaging to play right. over and over again. But you do get to, there's a way that you can discard cards to the bottom of the deck. So I was like, oh, I can discard the high cards to the bottom of the deck and then they'll come out last but then the more you keep doing that, the more you're moving those cards upward right, through right. the deck. So, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. I'm looking forward to Since it's coming back to the table, I'm guessing I'll get a chance. Yeah, I mean, maybe today. Oh, how about that? I know. So, out of the games that you played this month, which, what one are you thinking, eh, not that into, for the collection? Oh, I mean, I think we can get rid of Maui. Uh, I, I thought so. I thought that's what you would I mean, say. It's it's not as good as Santa Monica, and I don't like Santa Monica. No, they are both a beachy theme. They aren't really similar aside from that. Yeah, but isn't we, that they have like the, you you build the tableau in both? I mean, and the tableau is of beaches. Well, in one in Maui, you have beach blankets, and it's like this pattern matching thing. Right, right. But in Santa Monica, you are building a boardwalk, but it's more set collectiony 
kind of a well, vibe. I don't like goal. <laughs> anyway, they do look very similar. It not only in the beach theme, but then also the way that that's executed. They look very similar. I maybe just like the aesthetics of it more than really the gameplay of either one of them, and I'm fine with that. I like I like a light, not crazy, and I think there was still. Slightly more strategic depth in Maui than I expected, but also not a lot that I felt like I could do about it. Right. So it did feel like this game is happening a bit more than I felt able to execute because you have a a market of what you can take. You can kind of pay resources and the resources go back to the middle and they're limited. So it kind of goes back and forth between the players. Like you might just not have the resources to buy the better beach towel that you want to put on your work board so you kind of have to wait for that to reset a little bit but yeah it wasn't I agree that it wasn't the most fun it is best for me because I was saying on the way home that when we were talking about it that it was best for me as like oh I'm gonna play all these beach games today as you started this podcast with it's winter it's cold like I'm gonna look and think about beaches for a while yeah I mean that's I know, yeah. that's not enough for you. No. You're not a thematic game. I said Acropolis, which I complained about so much when we played it. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Acropolis. Because you just don't like the way... I don't like the scoring. Sh- yeah, because it scores... It's weird it scores at the end. Is that right? Well, it does score at the end. It has these uh, hex tiles that are like three hexes put together. And that's how you're building your little city. And there's this center market that's you know changing as you play that you're drafting out of. So a little bit of a... Uh, Cascadia kind of vibe where There's a tension between building up and building out. Yes, yeah, so you can unlike Cascadia, you can build up, and that my, that changes the points that you get, the scoring that happens for each of these different colors. There's maybe like five or so different colors that are on these tiles you can put in your city. Well, I want it to be like number nine, where the more you stack things up, the more points you get, and this is inherently good. However, for the base game of Acropolis, this is not inherently better. You ba- you kind of don't want to stack up only when you have to, and by have to, when you cover these certain tiles that don't have a color, you get these like building stones, and they can help you buy one of the tiles that's further back, and then there are also points at the end of the game. Well, and then if you think about the game as scoring surface area, you're building up without reducing scoring surface area. Right. And I wait. You're building up without reducing. When you cover, if you if you set your city up, yes. you're only covering trash. Yes, you're getting the full benefit of going up a level, and none of the benefit of covering things that may contribute to scoring otherwise. Right, and I want it such that when you build up, it incre- it more exponentially increases the points, so that building up is so you can valuable. cover scoring. You can cover things that score to get better things that score. Yes, and they have this basic kind of mode. And then these uh, variants that you can play with that alter the scoring for each of the different colors. And they suggest that play with one of those at a time, but you can also play with all of them. Mm -hmm. And the first time we played, and probably the second time we played, though we didn't count it up, I would win if we played with all of the variants because I'm putting this emphasis on stacking up that just doesn't translate to points. And then when that's true, I have less interest in the game. Like if I'm just putting these out here and making a sprawl, it doesn't feel as engaging of a puzzle to me it feels more it just feels more boring and i am dissatisfied that that is the best way to play it 
which I think is a little dumb, but it's how I feel. I mean, it's valid. I like I, I You like, like the game. it a lot. I yeah. like the game, yeah. And Speaking you do of, a great job. I, I thought there was a chance that my game of the month was going to be your call game. Oh. When you hear my game of the month. Okay. So. I, oh, okay. You know what it is. It's, I'm, I'm guessing what it is. It's gizmos. Yeah. And I think I have, yeah, I, I didn't actually put a game of the month yet. So I'm going to have to decide that. I play gizmos with Adam on Board Game Arena. Mm-hmm. We did not know the rules because that's how we Which, like to live our for lives. For the record, I, I have know. no idea how people do that. It went great. We had a good time. I played with you, and of course, you knew the rules. I, I then knew the rules. Because you're building this engine, if you're not making the right choices for your situation at the beginning of the game, you do get on a back foot that you have to see a way out of. It doesn't rubber band. I started out with the intention to get red buildings or whatever they are, red machine parts, gizmos, yeah. maybe that's what they're called. I started out with that intention to go after red. And then the way that the cards come out, and then the things you did on your turn, you took so many red cards. I did. And I did not pivot away from that fast enough to have any fun as the game continued. And I wasn't strategically taking red because I had seen your that investment I was take red, yeah. in red. I was, I mean, I basically had one, I, I, I like engine building games. I like big turns. I think I had one strategy, which was to take as many actions on this turn as I can. Yeah. And that had, like, because of the resources that were required and the things that were needed at any given time, that just had me buying a fair number of red cards. And what was true when I played online was that I unintentionally stumbled into that, into being able to do a whole bunch of things in one turn. And when I tried to knowingly replicate it, I was worse knowingly replicating it while playing against you. Probably not while playing against anyone, but while playing against you and then the thing that I went for not being available and then not really understanding how to manage that intentionally in the game versus it just kind of happening. So I tried to recreate it and, you know, the cake did not rise. Yeah. And there were, uh, there's the way that the actions chain together, you can chain resource gathering, resource spending, uh, but they don't always chain that that specific way where there's synergy. So what I ended up at the end of the game was I, I basically had an engine where over the course of three turns, I would gather the resources I need, spend the resources, and then ga- and then like end up with almost as many resources as I need again. So my next gather oh. step wasn't so crucial, and it was like a, a circulating thing that that worked really well. The there were only two cards that really like my engine was predicated on these like two cards that allowed you to gather for free basically almost over half the turns. There were only two of those in the deck. They came out early. Oh. I got them both. It's a free resource. So I, I think I strategically chose them because I saw their value. I mm-hmm. did not know about their scarcity. Right. But if you knew about their scarcity, you might have taken one from me. I probably would have been able to me. get one. Yeah. Yeah. And it is worth noting, sometimes in games like this, you can take things from other people or right. there's some exchange. There is not. Once you have things, they're yours. Once you take resources, because you have like a little pool where you can hold them. Once you take resources, they're yours. Those are things that I like in games like this because I find it even more difficult to... If I could like potion explosion, steal your marbles. Pay extra and take this or there's something that lets you swap stuff with somebody else. Sometimes that helps like when you get locked into a, a really good machine that then I can't intervene with. Right. Sometimes that helps balance things out, but also sometimes that absolutely helps keep things lopsided. I prefer like, you know what? Let me just be locked over here with my problems. 
I ended that game feeling like I figured out a way to play it, but that there were probably 15 more. I think the way the cards come out could be different. And I think it was almost close to the back to the table for that reason, because I felt like I kind of wanted another go at it. I don't necessarily want that next attempt to be only with you. Maybe at least with a three-player game, then see how that's different see how that balances. There is no solo mode because I will like to take a game like that and in a solo mode, be able to pick apart the mechanisms a little more and understand some things that come to you a lot faster. I think there's some kind of rules and resources, um, like sub rules is what I call them that aren't actually in the book about this is how this works together. I think that's not true in all game types, but in resource transformation games it's definitely true yeah oh, i'm not saying every game type but yes definitely in that where there's just this next level of understanding that comes that you get a lot quicker than i do for that okay so i need to pick a game of the month i feel like i have it down to two for you oh well please just say those two uh forest of pangea and dice hunters of theria gosh now those were not going to be my two i can't remember enough about forest of uh pangea to talk about it pangaea i think it is yeah. i think i was saying pangea too before i can't remember enough about that to know how much i liked it that was like the first game we played this year certainly you weren't gonna say king domino i'm no i had an awful experience playing that on bga on my phone my my phone just doesn't like bga for whatever reason it doesn't display things right i think i was gonna go for wild style or wormholes i kind of like both of those i thought about skulls of sedlek as well i think i'm gonna go for wild style and in part it's because i waited for it to go on clearance before i wanted to buy it because the regular msrp is not that i don't think it's worth it i wasn't sure that i would like it enough and so then that kind of figures into how much you're willing to pay for it if you're not too certain i think i could have tried it on Tabletopia maybe has it. I think there are places to play it digitally. I, not BGA, I don't think is one of those. So I waited for it to get cheaper. So I kind of had my eye on it. I even saw it at Gen Con and sort of decided against it, wasn't quite sure about it. It's sort of real time, but it's not with a timer. It's real time paced by the people that are right. playing it. And I find that more interesting than just a straight, here's three minutes, kind of get it done thing when you're playing with someone else you can be paced a little slower or a little faster the idea is that you're like a crew tagging the city with graffiti but really you're taking the little kind of like bingo uh markers that are like a clear uh translucent colors and putting them down in certain spaces when you get sets of three so set collection cards you can only hold on to a few cards in your hand and in front of you. And the other ones you have to put into these shared piles and you can pick up from those shared piles. So as people are playing, it's kind of a quiet but tense frenzy of people putting down cards, picking up cards, putting out their marker. I think speaking of games that some people are better at than others, like in our house, I could have just as easily rename the game to Wildstyle colon Kelly Wynn. Yeah, yeah. When there is a real-time element, the stress of that really sinks into your psyche in a way that I agree kind of worries you. And I will play them slower than I could. But there's also like pattern and color recognition. Uh, That one, I mean, it is set collecting on cards. And there also are these bonus objectives. So the little city gets kind of randomly. It looks a bit like a Kingdom Builder's. 
yeah board where it's like these kind of hex pieces more you modular, put together though, right like it's a little more modular weirder shapes but same kind of difference you're taking these big pieces and making a board out of a couple big pieces the hexes on there have icons on them for different types of whatever different types of city blocks the cards have matching icons so you're trying to find three of the same card to be able to tag that thing and sometimes it's like inherently i think it's groups of things get yeah your largest scored. group of things scores like and so if you have a yeah so there's two some groups in- but one of them is smaller than the other i don't think it scores but i don't think that's true across all of this styles. yeah there's some inherent scoring that's happening all the time then there's um different objectives like you pick three objectives every time you play randomly that give you some other scoring as well and then you're just tagging this city and you do it for a good number of rounds it's not just like one round and you're done it took a long time you do so even though it's a real-time game it ends up taking like maybe 45 minutes i I think that's so you have to reshuffle all the cars kind of reset everything the fact that it's real time but then these resets kind of gives you the opportunity to take a beat kind of evaluate what you're doing look at the goals again sort of plan where you would want to go and then dive into another round. So I think that's also nice for a real-time game, that it's not like the whole time real-time. You kind of have these breaks to strategize and think, right. and then you go back into making impulsive decisions. I like making the best decision in the moment more than building a long strategy, so it makes sense that I like this game. now. I, I like using your turn time to think. I, I don't noticed, like, and yep. then you tell me how short your turns are, and they're I'm like, very, I mean, they're very short. They're not that short, because you're not talking to me about my turn, and then, yeah, you you have, in fact, planned everything you need to do over the next few turns. I And I I find games like that less engaging. There's one, I can't remember what it was, that we played. And I was like, oh, I just have to do the same thing every single turn to win. And I'm like, oh, I don't even want to do this. I mean, you're basically talking about the 20 games of Charterstone that I played. I, I find that like, and I'm sure other people look at all board games like that. Like, why would I even want to do this? That particular thing, if, if. I can predict it. If I can plan it out that far, I'm kind of like, oh, I, I'm done here. I'm going to go play a video game or something. Like, it ceases to be engaging, and it feels not like idealized work. Games are idealized work. Not like idealized work. It feels like just work. Actual work. It feels like just actual work. Okay, and now I kind of added this as a new way to close out the podcast, because sometimes it's kind of, I don't know, it's hard to wrap this up. We're going to look forward this year at the end of our Game of the Month episode and say, what are we looking forward to playing next month? Now, I thought I might still play Motor City. We're not. We're recording this just before the end of the month. I might still play Motor City before the month is over, but that is the game I'm looking forward to. I'm interested to try that, see how it compares to Three Sisters and Fleet the Dice game. Do Am I going to like it more? Am I going to like it less? So really interested to see how that goes. And then I have the Skyrim game. The adventure board game. I don't even know that I'll like it because we played Gloomhaven and I kind of didn't like it. So I'm thinking maybe I don't really like these kind of big campaign-ish, more RPG, tabletop RPG-esque board games. Um, And I had to send, they sent me two copies of one of the expansions and I had to send it back to get one of each expansion. It is still cold though here. (laughs) And I do like playing, I'll play Skyrim like, almost every year in winter. It makes winter feel better. So it would be nice to experience the Skyrim board game while it is still winter, while you can kind of bring some purpose and some theme to the cold and darkness of the Midwest this time of year. I've been kind of filling some space as I see Aaron 
looking around our game room, which we sit in to record, I believe he's making a selection because I don't I didn't tell him about this new category. So I mean, he's the making secret a selection is, for what he wants to play I, next month. You could have stopped talking a long time ago. Okay, well you were still looking around. My selection might have changed because okay. Uh, because here's the thing, like I don't know what we're gonna play next month, but basically this is my chance to like name one game for next month. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you're taking the strategic which, opportunity. Well, you know, I, I wanted to kind of like think of a decision, and then I was like, oh well, I'll just make. And I, uh-huh. I, I think I think that I'd like to play Cat and Box uh, next month, but like we yeah. need to get people because I don't want to just play it with you. I think it's a two player game; it, it suffers. I think I have a hard time wrapping my mind around what is actually supposed to happen in well, that game. Well, we played game. it wrong the first time on account of I got the rules wrong. And that's fine. I feel like there's so many games where you play it wrong and you never know. Like, I feel like it's an inherent part of board games. So I, that I don't, I'm not carrying that with me anymore as a caveat. I think that we're getting these different twists on trick-taking games, and I don't know if that one is as good as it is novel i want to believe i think it's it's, as good as it is now i know you do and i don't know that i do so yeah i i I think it's it's a little easy for people who are good at trick-taking games like it the shifting makes it a little more difficult but you're only counting nine cards in every suit and that inherently like 36 is easier than 52 and i'm not already counting cards and i think that this that's another game where it may even be if i read the rules very like methodically, I don't think that's even the right word. One more time, there are the rules, and then there's that how to play. Like I was saying, that you understand right. about the resource management. Like these are the sub rules. These are how these things interact. There's something that's not quite clicking for me about how those interact with how you actually need to strategically play. Yeah, and that's because you know you have to. They give you that board that you put in the middle of the table that yeah. has each of the colors on it, and then you have to be putting your little. Uh, tokens right together on that board so for me it's like well just the fact that the colors are changing that's good enough for a game and for me to think about then this other part about how it scores i often have issues with i don't like the way that a game scores uh, well i mean because i say you talked about a bunch before you even mentioned the bidding mechanism which is the precursor oh. to the scoring mechanism the- i know i don't like that but that's 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 like, coming from classic trick taking, like yeah. that kind of bidding mechanism. Yeah, like I'll say how many tricks I'm going to yeah. take, and then also like I might bid that I can take seven tricks when I know I can take nine, but then I have control because I can just not take tricks I would have taken, and then mess up your bid, and it's it's pretty fun. And you can't do it that high in that game because I realize it's only no, one, that's two, the, that's four. A, that's a spades number. That's, so that's not a, yeah, yeah. But this was my same thing about Ghosts of Christmas. We had a review episode for that. That. Did I even was I even on that review episode or did I decide to not go on it? I don't know. I can't remember. It, uh, I've if blocked you've it listened out in the my... past, you can you can email us at podcast. <laughs> right, at very and let us know. I mean, I could figure it out, but I can't. I, I did not. Uh, I did not care for that. And part of that was the way you bid to get points in that game. I'm like, heck, it, we're playing in the past, present, and future. Oh, heck, if game, I know how many tricks I'm gonna get, that game is very fun. Yeah, I know. You like these. You like these takes on trick taking games, and I would like to like them more this is the same way for cat cat in the box heck if i know how many i'm gonna get i don't even know what suits these cards so like i'm looking forward to make kelly play a game that she absolutely (laughs) does not want to play and then we're gonna have fun playing motor city and skyrim how do you feel about skyrim i feel overwhelmed at the thought of it but i expect to enjoy it okay that's pretty good that's pretty good for February. yeah short month let's do it Thank you so much for listening to episode 94. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. 
You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com. And you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. The game Level 10 that was mentioned was originally called Okie Doki. So if you see reviews for that game, it is also this game. Editing for the next episode is quite a job, as Adam and I went through the entire 2023 preview list on BoardGameGeek. We did leave out expansions, except for one that I was particularly excited about. I think all in all, it's around 150 games that we talked about. More of them were from Europe than we expected, but we didn't preview the list before we hit record. If you're listening to these in reverse, you'll have 93 more episodes headed your way, the next one being Adam and I discussing collection curation and best value games. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today.